good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Beautiful day. Chiefs are going to play here in a little bit. Um, sorry to tell you, when I ran through this last night, it took me 53 minute, minutes, so just you'll be late to the game. No, it's okay. First service went a lot quicker, so we'll, we'll, we'll just jump right into this thing. Man, I just want to welcome everybody. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us. Um, if you are new in the room, church, how do we feel about new people and guests? Praise God. Man, that's a testament on uh, the community that we have here in Marshfield and that we want to build, and that's a community based around Jesus, his words, and how he treats people. Um, so praise God for that. Hey, if you are new, would you look in the seat back in front of you? Sorry, this thing's like falling off my ears here. Look in that seat back in front of you and uh, fill that card out. Turn that in to the welcome desk out front. Um, that uh, will get you a gift, and uh, that card allows uh, probably me or Pastor Jesse give you a call this week or the next, um, and uh, just welcome you, get to know you, and uh, gives us a, just a chance to connect with you and pray for you if you need. Um, guys, like I said, I, I'm Ethan Barnett. I'm the worship pastor. Most of you know who I am. Maybe a few don't. Um, so this is stretching for me. Um, I, I'm not too worried about speaking in front of you. Um, uh, but I feel a whole lot more comfortable singing with a guitar. So I'm going to sing this entire message to every single one of you. I'm going to make awkward eye contact with every single one of you. Just know that it's coming. It'll, it'll be like a, a quick thing. You won't know it's coming, but all of a sudden we'll be locked eyes and we'll just get this thing going. Hey, um, just want to do a quick recap of the last several weeks here at DCM. Um, this series has been awesome. It's been Super good and stretching and a lot of growth in my personal life. Um, anybody else feel that way through everything we've been exploring? <clears throat> Pastor Mark's gone. Um, RIP to him. Uh, but, you know, he taught us a lot of great things. And uh, uh, we have learned about having true joy in the midst of, out of our trials. That he does not cause trials, but he allows us to experience them so that we may grow in our spiritual maturity. And that's all that I want, and I hope that's all that you want as well. We have learned that God does not tempt, nor does he cause us to sin. We have learned that all good things come from above. I love how uh, Pastor Jesse last week, I listened to his, uh, his message on the podcast when I was posting it. Wasn't able to be here last week with you guys. Really, really missed being here. I heard it was awesome. Um, but while I was posting, I got to listen to it. We, we went to go see family in Alabama last week. And no, we're not moving there. No, I'm not looking for a job there. Um, we're, we're here to stay put. Just, just want to let you know that. Um, but yeah, Pastor Jesse, when I was listening to it, um, he said, he explained last week how we trust him in trials and we turn to him in our temptation. That he must be the center. He must be the center of every situation that we face. God does not change. His goodness is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I love that song, uh, Same God, you guys. Our worship team is so good. Man, I'm so, it's so amazing not to have to be up here just because it's, it's good to worship for myself. And uh, uh, Zach, thank you so much for leading for us. I love you, man. Um, Maria, man, the entire team. You have wonderful people that are on this worship team that love the Lord, that only want to praise the Lord um, and do it the right way. But guys, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, I think Eric Wucky, are they Wucky's here? No, okay, he was in the first one. So now I can be really honest with this story. Um, 
Several months ago, Audrey and I, my wife Audrey, raise your hand, beautiful green dress, the light of my life. Uh, several months ago, we were driving down Spur Drive, and we were just cutting up. I remember we were specifically, like, in a good mood. We were just talking back and forth and kind of laughing. And, and uh, um, man, if you don't know Audrey, you need to meet her. She's smart. She's caring. Uh, she's a little reserved, but, man, is she smart. So if you want some wisdom, um, she exudes what it means to be a woman of the Lord, and I love you, and I love you till the day that I die. So I won't cry. So we'll keep going. But I will say, you know, like if the Lord was in front of me and he was like, Ethan, is there anything that you would change? I will let you change one thing about your wife. I'm like, man, God, I don't, I don't think there's anything. She's perfect. He's like, no, really, one thing. No, Lord, she's perfect in every way. You know, if I had to think of something, I guess driving would be the one. Driving would be the quickest, best fix of everything, and then she'd be perfect. No, she is perfect. But she's not a good driver. <laughs> I had to get her permission to say all this, but man, babe, you've been in more wrecks than I have. Uh, whether you caused them or not, it's the truth. It's fact. Um, no, but she's awesome, but she's terrible. Um, so we were driving, we were driving down Spur Drive, and um, I don't know what it is. I think, I don't know if whenever she was in, you know, working out and weights, I don't know if she just worked out her right side really, really good, because she's left-handed, but she really, le- like, I don't know if this arm just weighs a little bit more, but when you're driving, she, you just end up kind of, my head just kind of t- turns this way, and, and, and you know, like, spur drive is a two-lane, two-lane road. Uh, so we're on the inside lane. So we have a whole other lane on the outside here. So we're driving, and, and I just noticed. I'm like, well, babe, babe, Audrey, Audrey. And, and, you know, she goes into this lane. So I'm just trying to be nice. So I notice that there's a big jacked-up blue truck right next to us. We're in our little Honda Accord, so I have to do this. And I instantly see that it's Eric Wucky. So I lock eyes with him, and I give him one of these. As we're going into his lane, thinking, like, he, he's going to know who I am right off the bat. It's going to be fine. Uh, you know, and, 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 uh, and also, Audrey told me, don't make any weird faces and don't give me weird hand signals. I was like, listen, it's literally the beginning of my sermon. So you're getting it. If you get me to do this, that means I like you. It doesn't mean anything weird. It doesn't mean I'm crazy. It just means that I really like you and you're cool enough to get one of these. So you all get it this morning. So I give Eric one of these. And uh, I instantly think he's going to like laugh and just be silly and it's going to be a really good experience, but uh, it was not that. And he gave me the meanest look. (laughs) He mean mugged me so hard and I instantly was like, got, turned my head and I was like, okay, he's not happy. And he's like, he's driving like this. I look up, I can't, and he goes, it's like I could hear it. He's, his truck's rumbling, and he's up here, and I'm down here, and I can almost hear his, like, slow motion. Like, he was, he was not happy with what we were doing. And uh, so he did what any real man would do, and he gunned it. He just took off. His truck was like, bang, and, uh, and I submitted to him. He was alpha in that moment, because that's what you do. If you have a loud truck, you, you put your dominance on the other man, and that's, that's just how it is. Um, I can, I'm okay with that. Uh, in his defense, it was awesome. Like I, I responded. Uh, I could have done without the, the bird out the window he gave us. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. 
But I wanted to point this story out because, number one, it's funny. Um, and if you know Eric, he's not mean at all. He's one of the nicest guys. And, uh, but I will say, um, just talking a little, about, a little bit about anger today, we'll get there. But like Eric, I know there's several people in this room that struggle with anger. So we are going to go right into this, and we're going to rid this anger and, and, and all these little problems that we have, and we're just going to make everything good this morning, right? Now we know it's a process. So listen, we're in James. We're going to go James 1, 19 through 21. So let's read this, and then we'll pray. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, uh, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Bow your heads, let's just pray to him this morning. God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for this church. I thank you for every single person that's in this room. Lord, I pray that you would just pour out your spirit. God, I pray that every single word that comes out of my mouth is from you and you alone. Lord, I pray that you would uh, correct me swiftly if it becomes opinionated. And, uh, and I pray that it doesn't happen, happen at all. Lord, I pray that we would hear this word, that we would listen, and that we would apply it to our lives, God. We know that your truth, we know that your perspective is the only truth for perspective. So we want to see uh, this life through your lens, Lord. We love you with all that we have. And everybody said, amen. Good. Uh, I wanted to point out that uh, another translation, it says, uh, ridding yourself of all filth and evil. And then another one says to put off or putting off filth and evil. And that will be relevant later, but I wanted to just mention that real quick. It's important to note that James is saying, understand this. In the ESV, he says, know this. And uh, uh, another translation says, take, take note of this. James is, is uh, trying to make the believers realize that what he is about to say is, is important, that it will take effort to understand and apply this word to their lives. And uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but uh, also worthy note now that he is speaking to believers. These are people that have already accepted the free gift of salvation. <clears throat> They're already going to spend eternity with, with the Lord, and he is teaching them, in turn teaching us, how we can live a righteous life on this earth, that we may receive the rewards that he has, the goodness that he has um, while we're on this earth, and even better, whenever we join with him on that day of glory. Amen? Amen? So quick to listen. He says, be quick to listen. This already implies that you need to shut up. Don't speak. Don't hear. Listen. What's the difference between listening and hearing, you might ask? Well, I had the same question, so I looked it up. To hear is involuntary. It relies on inaction or without action, so it doesn't take work. Um, I, I want to also note really quick that I understand that some people are born with, uh, uh, you know, abnormalities of their ears and, and their anatomy that allows them not to hear what we, what most people get to hear. Um, but we do have other forms of um, communication, and the idea of hearing and listening to the Lord, which we'll talk about, is across the board, and, and that's how we learn. And maybe it's harder, even for those people. Um, but I, I wanted to to include that because I thought it was important. 
and it kind of just like snuck into my heart when I was reading through that. But it relies on inaction without action or work. It is simply hearing sound. So that's to hear. To listen is voluntary. You choose to do it. It requires action and work. It is the act of processing sound psychologically. I know I lost some of you in the, wor- the room when I said work. Probably, uh, probably most of the millennials. I don't know. Seems like everything's blamed on the millennials these days. Actually, I'm pretty sure I am a millennial. I'm not sure. I'm th- I just turned 32. So yeah. am I? Yeah. See, I actually didn't listen to a thing I just said. I don't even know what I'm doing, where I'm at. Someone get me off the stage. Listening here and hearing are two completely different. You can hear, but you don't have to listen. And I just want to encourage you guys today. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm a, a, a Bible follower. <laughs> I, I want to do what it says. I don't know everything that's in there, um, but I want to follow Jesus as best that I know how, and, and it's through Scripture. And uh, so you all have the opportunity. You're all going to hear what I say today. Not everybody's going to listen to what I say today, and that's okay. Uh, but I encourage you to press in. If I get awkward, if it gets, if it gets quiet for a second, uh, don't let that disrupt what the Lord may want to do with you through me. Um, so, yeah. So you guys got to work, too. Don't put it all on me. Listening sets the tone of an interaction. Listen to this, listen to this paragraph um, from a study that I read. If you do not listen or at least hear someone... You can do damage uh, to your relationship with them. You may get a poor reputation if you do this at work or in your family dynamics. Over time, this makes you more likely to become depressed, anxious, want to be isolated, or have a general lack of ambition. If you actively listen to others, the exact opposite occurs. Instead of tearing relationships apart, you build them up and strengthen them. You build your communication and teamwork skills. Those around you will likely express gratitude um, at some point if you're a good listener. This will boost your confidence and empathy and decrease your likelihood of getting mental health conditions. Uh, For a guy like me that spent a lot of years in uh, the career of medicine, uh, sometimes it helps me to hear some of these things of why, why it's good listening outside of the spiritual. Um, because these, some people that are writing these things don't even realize that they're, they're spitting straight truth in these studies. And uh, I think, I, I don't think it's by accident. I think, I think the Lord does that so people are still getting truth even if they're not accepting it through him. But we, uh, we learned last week that, uh, through Pastor Jesse's word that every good thing um, of this earth comes from above. There's no lasting goodness that comes from this earth or our flesh. All good things coming from above, the goodness of God will outlast this world's influence. Praise God for that. His perspective is truth. So we know when we start to understand and listen to people, we start to be able to, to depict and see the differences between a person's perspective, which could be true, and what the perspective of Christ is. We get to learn if they are speaking the perspective of Christ. Listening, uh, listening to others is teaching us how to listen to God, and we don't even realize it sometimes. 
um, listening is having the same mindset of Christ. We need to learn to listen to everyone else around us and hear their perspective. Philippians 2, 4, and 5, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Uh, there's, there's few times in the, the Bible where Christ does turn away from people and, and he does allow them not to speak anymore. But if you read, you find often and often that he listens to everybody. He listens to the lady that had the blood problem, that had the faith to come to him. He listened to every single cripple that he healed. He listened and he saw their perspective. It is imperative that we learn to listen to others, like I said, because it's teaching us to listen to God. The perspective of others is not always rooted in truth, but sometimes it is. And uh, through, through experience, sometimes God wants to speak to you through others. So it is important that whenever we talk to one another that we're listening and not just hearing the words. Uh, let me see here, sorry. Through practicing of being quick to listen, slow to speak, we are learning to submit to the perspective of Christ, which scripture tells us that this leads to rewards here in this life and in the next uh, in heaven. So uh, just really quick, some practical things that, that really touched my heart while, while going a little bit deeper for myself and listening. And everything that I say, guys, if you, if you feel convicted, if you hear something this morning that you need to work on, uh, I felt it first this week uh, studying this. Um, this. This is speaking straight to my heart as well. Uh, men, you need to be listening to your wives. You need to be listening to your wives. Uh, men, you need to be listening to your wives. And all the wives said, amen. amen. But men, you need to be listening to God first. You need to have a relationship with the Lord first. You need to be hearing his word first. There's an order to families, and I'm speaking to families right now. There's an order. When you're a man, I submit to the Lord first. Because how am I going to lead my family according to him if I don't have an intimate relationship with him? So you guys, every guy in the room, you need to submit to God first. Your spouse next, then your kids' needs comes after that. Uh, ladies and, and wives in the room, it's the same thing. Um, I know that there's tough situations. I know people have heartbreak. I know that people are going through things. But if we're going to follow what Scripture wants us to do, you submit to the Lord first, and you submit to your husband second, and then you submit to your kids. I know it gets really hard whenever you're in the toddler and baby stage because we're in it, and we're learning it, and uh, God's giving us favor to do that for one another. And, uh, yeah, I honor you. I honor you because you do a, a, an amazing job. And I repent for the times that I, that I don't listen and, and don't speak well. That's how easy it is. That's how easy it is. I didn't plan to do that, but I, this is for me just as much as it should be for you. Slow to speak. Again, what does that imply? Shut up. This is a given. Can I say shut up? Is everybody cool with that? Cool. I'll keep that to my cussing level. Is that, is that a cuss? I don't know. What is a cuss? This is a given. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about this part of this verse because it is self-explanatory. Rather, I want to read a few Proverbs uh, that show us why it is important to be uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. 
Let the scripture do the work for you. Amen. Proverbs 18, 6 and 7. Uh, this is probably my favorite one. Fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They're asking for a beating. Really? None of you? All right. I'm the worst one. Sometimes I think a guy needs a smack in the mouth, but I might be the only one. Fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They're asking for a beating. Uh, just read that to your husband next time. The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Words are powerful. Proverbs 18, 13, and 15. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Verse 14. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, a good spot to note that, that, that you need the facts. What's everybody want to talk about all the time right now is politics. And if you can't get along with your neighbor, if you can't talk about politics and hear, hear their facts and then talk about your facts and keep it civil, then uh, I really encourage you to not talk about it. Um, if you need to, uh, a practical application that sounds crazy, stop, shut up, and pray. Pray with that person. Say, man, I'm getting heated, and I don't want to be heated. I'm sorry. I'm already sinning against you. Lord, correct my words. Apologize in the moment. Correct it then, and uh, it, it won't take seed and, and make you bitter later. Uh, that's uh, great for your families as well. Proverbs 18:21. The, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Words are powerful. Uh, they can be powerful for the negative, like I said. But I want you guys to realize, too, that they can be powerful for the positive. Don't, don't neglect uh, what a nice text or a nice word, or if the Lord tells you, as you begin to learn how to hear from the Lord, the Lord tells you to speak something over someone, um, I encourage you to do it, speak life over them. Um, you have no idea what it, would, what, what it can mean to people. Words are powerful. This needs to be prioritized in every aspect of life. Sit in his presence sometimes. We think we can uh, convince God through our words and prayers to change our circumstances when all he wants is for us to trust in him. Are you spouting off? Are you not being slow to speak when you're talking to God? You know, my entire life I've heard this passage and it's talked about being quick to listen, slow to, slow to speak and slow to anger. And, and, and it's been taught to me as to be applied to the relationships around us. And as I began to study this this week, I saw it from a different angle. And are we learning to hear and speak to the Lord with the same way? Because every time we're talking to someone, like I said earlier, we're seeing their perspective. Their perspective is not always Christ-centered, but sometimes it is. But we know by last week's message that every good thing comes from above, that every good thing comes from God. So every good thing from Jesus is a good perspective. So we learn to depict, depict that and know the difference. So when we're praying, and I'm talking about outside of when uh, the scripture says to make every request known, or if you're praying a prayer of praise or adoration, if you're telling him how awesome it is, I'm talking about are you spending time in the secret place? Are you spending time just in his presence where you're quick to listen for him? Because he wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to give you revelation. 
but are you doing it? And when you do, are you quick to talk? Because it can get awkward. If, if it's, it's, it's something that you have to practice and you have to train. But if you're not sitting in his presence, and if you're not being quick to listen, and if you're being slow, I'm sorry, if you're not being slow to speak, that's a problem. You need to listen to him. He wants to speak to you. Are you spouting out nonsense to your spouse, to your kids? Are you thoughtfully uh, taking in a situation, looking at it through the lens of Christ? Or are you a person that believes in power of your own words because you think you know better or you think you have, to, you have it all figured out? We are busy people in life uh, and our minds are even busier. We can't keep up with the thoughts that we have. So slow your speech, sit in his presence, and uh, let him speak to you. And don't respond to the Lord in anger. Don't ask him why. Don't get mad whenever he answers a prayer in a way that you, you don't feel that you deserve or, or, or that you didn't expect. Because his perspective is true. And he's going to respond to you and he's going to love you in the way that, 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 uh, that he does. Slow to anger. James 1, 19 through 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Anger is not always visible. I used to be a super angry person. Everybody in the room, most people know me in the room as, as just a, a nice guy that's at church, that, that is a the worship leader, and, and I, I hope I am that. Um, but I had a lot of anger built up inside of me in my younger years. I'm in my senior years, ripe, ripe old age of 32 now. And uh, the Lord's taught me that it's not worth it being angry. And uh, maybe some of it was directed towards God. A lot of it was directed towards myself. Uh, I was angry at situations that I had no control over. I was angry because I was angry because I was angry. And uh, it was all on the inside. Nobody knew it around me. So if you're in the room and if you just find yourself being angry, I get you. I know what it's like. And I'm sorry that you're feeling that, but I can tell you with 100% confidence that uh, it can go away and it can be, it can be resolved, but, but only if you're willing to do the work and let the Lord implant his word in you and do that for you. To be honest, man, sometimes I'm still angry. I'm working on it. We all need to be a work in progress, but I don't want to be, though. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. The ESV says, Be angry, but don't let anger make you sin. Anger in itself is not a sin. It's not a sin. Submitting to the spirit of anger and acting out of an unrighteous anger is sinful. And if we do not catch it, when we become angry, sometimes we don't, we don't control our first action of an emotion. Sometimes we get sad for no reason. Sometimes we're, we're super happy, and, and sometimes something happens, and we get angry. That's our first, first reaction. That's normal. But what you do from there 
is whenever you're either submitting to the devil to let him have a, a foothold in the moment. Again, I want to remind you that the enemy has no authority over you. Uh, the only power that he has is the, stuff, the power that we allow. So do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. That means take care of it. Be done with it. Rid yourself of it. Feel it. If you act in it, repent of it quickly. But most of all, you don't have to act in it, but it's okay to feel it. I wish someone would have told me that um, back when I was an angry dude. Uh, like I said, we have to remember that the, the enemy has no authority over you. We can't, we can't give the devil credit. He deserves no credit, and I, I, won't, I won't allow that in my life, and I hope you don't either. We and our own sinful nature, na- nature and fleshly actions is what allows the devil to have a foothold. We submit to that spirit in that moment. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. It doesn't say, don't be angry. Anger is not always a bad thing. We see multiple times in Scripture Jesus himself becoming angry and acting out of righteous anger. The most iconic or the most well-known is in John 2, whenever he goes to the temple. And you have all these people uh, uh, selling goods and selling animals in, in what's supposed to be the house of the Lord, and they're defiling this place. And this makes Jesus angry. So what does he do? He makes a whip out of ropes, and he runs them out of there. Man, can you imagine being a disciple, being hanging out with him and watching him do this, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, man, I, it excites me uh, because, like, selfishly, I want to have a time of that. I want, <laughs> I want to run someone out in righteous anger. Uh, but again, that's flesh. Don't, I don't recommend you also feel that way. Um, so Jesus goes ham on this place. But we have to understand it says human anger. Other translations say the anger of man. So what does that mean? Uh, it does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Uh, so, man, anger of man and of our flesh. Guys, it's a destroyer. It's a thief of joy and happiness. It is the beginnings of bitterness and deceit. Anger is a liar. If you're struggling with anger, you can rid it. You can be free from it. But you have to be willing to do the work. And uh, we'll find out here in a minute how to do that. Righteousness, according to the world, is defined as rightness. The quality of being morally right or justifiable. Man, doesn't that sound good to be justified in everything that you do all the time? The world wants you to believe that. The world allows you to do that. It allows you to be right even when you're not right. But what is the righteousness that God desires? It's the quality of being right in God's eyes. This includes our nature, our character, the conscience or our attitude, our conduct, our actions, and our command, our words. The righteousness that God desires is a sold-out, face-down, on-the-altar life that is pleasing in every area that we live. Philippians 3, 8 and 9. <clears throat> yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself, with himself depends on faith. Amen. 
the end of this passage, James 21. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save you. Other translations say ridding yourself or to put away, if you remember me saying at the beginning. This is not a one-and-done event. Sometimes we grow up, and, and if you've been in church for a long time like I have, you think you have maybe one major issue or one major sin that you've been dealing with uh, for your entire life, and if you could just get that out of the way, if I could just get the alcohol out of the way, if I could get the pornography just out of the way, or if I could get uh, whatever it may be, this, this thing that, that you identify as, if you could just get it out of the way, you could finally get close to the Lord. And that's just not how it works. I will say the Lord allows you sometimes to have instant freedom from the, some of those things that we get caught up on so that we can be transformed wholly and that, that uh, everything else that's left over behind that thing that we choose gets out of the way. And then we realize, oh, wow, I'm not, uh, there's a whole lot more than that one thing that I need, I need work on. So this is not a one-and-done event. In Romans 7, Paul describes the war with sin within himself. So I'm going to read it. You're not going to have it on screen. Uh, I just wanted to force you to pay attention to me for just a moment. Starting in verse 14. So the trouble is not the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. We know that Paul was a warrior of the faith. We know that he lived a good life and he did amazing things in the name of Jesus. And he is saying that he's the worst of them all. This passage in Romans is implying that our sinful nature, unfortunately, will be with us all the days of our life. But how do we rid and put off the filth and evil that runs rampant in our lives? Colossians 3, 5 and 11. Guys, I know there's a lot of scripture, but sometimes it's easier to let the scripture do the work, amen? So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Righteous anger. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So it tells you all these things that you, that, that, that you need to do. 
and then it tells you what you get to do and what you should do. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew, a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Amen? I think it's uh, uh, important to note too that this doesn't mean, this does not mean that you have to do all of these things and then you have to submit to uh, the word of God, right? Sometimes this is simultaneous. Like I said, sometimes he allows us to experience a freedom of something we've struggled with for our entire life. So then we can uh, begin to dissect and have surgery done on ourselves to to rid ourselves of all of these impurities. And, And sometimes by experience, you rid yourself of something and you forget what it did and you entertain it once, and you entertain it twice, and you entertain it again, that's the sinful nation, uh, nature that Paul's talking about. You know what is right, but you do what is wrong. So how do we do this? How do we deal with all the filth and evil? We must humbly receive. If you don't listen to anything that I say today, or if you didn't hear anything, please listen to this whole last part. How do we do this? We must humbly receive the implanted word of God. My father-in-law just had heart surgery and we got to watch uh, the healing process of that. And I know from experience, I used to work in medical. Uh, I was an x-ray tech, an MRI technologist, uh, used to work in surgery. So we would go and do chest x-rays during heart surgery sometimes. So you'd roll your machine in and uh, you'd be doing your own thing and you look over and you've got a chest that is completely cracked open. It's got these metal clamps that they twist that opens it and you just see the heart. And you're like, okay, so that's the human heart. That's what it looks like. And I'm not sure it's natural that I'm looking at it, but uh, we're here and, and it's, it can be shocking. Um, but I'll tell you right now, these, these people that are trained to work on these, you see flesh coming out, you see arteries being cut, these things that, that are, are a part of your life, these things that, that are causing you to live. And uh, maybe it's living a not good life but these things are being cut out, these, the, uh, like I said, t- torn flesh. Uh, man, it's brutal. Surgery is brutal. Being in those concrete rooms, I- I'm not trying to get gross, but when you hear the bones crack and you, and you hear, hear all this stuff and you see and you can, you can smell the smells, it's brutal and it's scary. And that's just the beginning of the process. If you've had surgery, if you've had a major surgery, you know. Sometimes the hardest part, sometimes the hardest part is uh, the healing process or the consequences that came from, from that surgery. So I just can't help but think, I'm, I know you've probably heard this analogy before, but sometimes the Lord allows us to have our chest cracked. We get that big sin out of the way, that thing that we identify as ourself. He, he gives us total freedom. And then we find out that we're even more filthy than we thought. He cracks that chest and he starts to, to cut the artery 
the thing that we thought was giving us life or that, that, that was really controlling how we act. He cuts out that bitterness. He cuts out the sadness. He cuts out the anxiety. All of these things that we're submitting to because he's making room for these new things to be implanted into our life, the word of God, so that we can humbly and meekly. That means full submission. That means we welcome it. It hurts. It sucks at times. Consequences hurt. It's painful. But then he allows you to to have these things implanted that are going to give you an even better life than you've experienced before. Amen? This can be painful. It can be long. It can be a long process. Honestly, it's until we meet him face to face. If you think you've arrived, I'm here to tell you you haven't. He wants to implant the abiding word of God in us that we may be able to live a rewarding and holy life here on earth. That means we get to learn how to deal with these trials. We're given a blue book on how to live our life and most of us don't follow it. I have a really hard time following it most of the time. This is for me too, guys. I'm not, I'm not talking at you. I'm talking to me with you. He gives us what we're, supposed, what we're supposed to do and what will give us freedom, what will give us true joy and happiness. And he's telling us, if you would just humbly receive the implanted word of God, for it has the power to save our souls. Now, like I mentioned earlier, he uses the word save here. But remember, he's already speaking to the believers. He's already speaking to people who have the gifts of salvation. It can't be taken away from them. They're going to spend eternity with their life. He's speaking to these people and he says, uh, um, for it has the power to save, save your souls. This word save means to be rescued or, be, or to be delivered by something or from something in this context. It's explaining that our souls or that our life is to be, be delivered from the filth and the evil that lies within us. We need to accept the implanted word of God to destroy and replace. Like I said, sometimes it's, it's not that you need to do all this. You need to get your life, uh, you need to get your life in order before you have the word implanted. That is not what, what this is saying at all in, in my interpretation because sometimes implanting the word of God, being willing to learn to hear and listen is what's gonna destroy some of this stuff. And you don't even realize it, but it goes and it's being filled with truth, the perspective of Christ, amen? Our flesh is continually being delivered from our own lust and desires when we are flooding our hearts with the word of God. Darkness cannot live in the presence of light. I've heard all my life, you know, you get close to the Lord and then the light of the, the, light of the Lord will shine through you to others. And I believe that 100%. Pastor Jesse said something to me this week that shamefully, I admit for a split moment, I was like, oh, well, I don't really like that. But darkness cannot live in the presence of life, light. The closer we are to Jesus, the closer we get to Jesus, the more of our brokenness and our filth and our evil is revealed. That light will shine on all of it. 
and it becomes that much easier. This is about becoming more spiritually mature. It's hard, it can be hard, it will be hard in the future. But when you're equipped to know how to deal with trials, when you're equipped to know how to deal with that angry moment that you're, you're dealing with or the sadness, it, it, it flees, it, it can't live where light is. So if you instantly can check yourself, I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying I'm good at it, I'm not. But I know now from experience, if you check yourself and if you immediately fill yourself and humbly accept the word of God, darkness has to flee immediately, has no power over you. Repent, confess to Jesus and to your fellow believer the filth and the evil and begin to let the word of the Lord fill those areas. Receive the change in your mind and in your heart. Romans 12, 2, we know this so well. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect.